welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Amen. Well, I'm going to say it one more time. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah, come on. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to continue on this journey of being marked. I see no end in sight. In fact, you'll be here next week. You want to know some things about the Antichrist. Daniel talks about it in 7 and 8. And I'm setting this up. I called it marked for a reason. Because you're either marked by God and there's coming a time where actually society and the world and our culture is sizing you up for a mark down the road that you definitely don't need to take. But I believe we as believers will be gone during that time. But if you're still here and made pitiful choices, don't take the mark then. All right? But I'm going to continue in this. How many of y'all were blessed by the teaching uh, last week, having our friend here, Lawrence Bishop, with us here? Amen. Aren't you blessed by him uh, being in the house and, and, and just continuing in this. And I believe that was a perfect message in this series of being marked. And so here in this particular text, what, what, what we've been on in, in this series of Mark comes out of Ezekiel chapter 9. And I believe the word of the Lord came to me through someone in this house and, and, and shared it with me through Sharon Whipple. That, and it opened my eyes and it just bore witness with my spirit. And he says, I'm going throughout the city and putting a mark on the foreheads of those that grieve over the repulsive acts of this nation. How many of y'all know there's a repulsive acts that are happening in the nation today? There's crazy stuff. You can just watch the news for a little bit and see that there's nuts, nutty things that are happening. And, and you can either have the mark of the flesh or the mark of the world, or you can carry the mark of the spirit. Now, I've given several different analogies of people that have marked me, but I just got done reading a book um, called Empire of the Summer Moon. Some of you right away are judging me like, Pastor, you ought to be reading spiritual books. Well, I, I wanted to be ready if communist China comes over. Comanches have some good torture treatments. Come on, somebody. I'll be ready for them. But the story, Empire of the Summer Moon, is about the Comanches here in, in present day, Amarillo, Texas, and Palador Canyon. Lots of things happen, and I enjoyed the book so much. I encourage you to read it if you've got a strong gut because the Comanches were pretty tough people. But Quanah Parker, one thing that stood out to me at the end of his life, if you don't know anything about Quanah Parker, his mom was Cynthia Parker, and she had been captivated by the Comanches uh, at a young age, and she grew up with the Comanches. She was a white lady, but she bore children with the Comanche chief, and she had a son named Quanah. But Quanah, he was all Indian, but he was all white as well. And at the end of his life, I mean, this was a guy that fought wars. I mean, super tough. One particular time for a new wife, he told uh, the, the engine or the chief, he told him, he said, I want your daughter. And he said, well, here's all of my horses paying the price for this woman. He said, you need 17 more? He said, I'll be right back. He went and, you know, ravaged a rancher here in Texas and got 17 more horses. But he was just super tough. I mean, he, but at the end of his life, when the Comanches were no more, he found himself in his 80s in Cash, Oklahoma. And in Cash, Oklahoma, he was on the city board. He was also on the school board. And he was a man of wisdom. And he could speak English very well. But also, deep down, tucked away, was this war hero of the Comanches. And so, uh, towards the end of his life, two years before he died, in the early 1900s, at the Texas State Fair where the Sooners beat the Longhorns yesterday. I hope some of y'all were. 
Oh, Lord, I shouldn't have even gone there. But praise the Lord, I did. Um, two times I did. But uh, at the Texas State Fair, two years before he died, they put it out to all the people that the president of the United States, which was Teddy Roosevelt at the time, and Quanah Parker was going to be there. Thousands more showed up for Quanah Parker than they did for Teddy Roosevelt. And if you know anything about the history of Teddy Roosevelt, I could go down that trail right now, but he was an amazing man. But they were more interested with Quanah Parker. Why? Here's the reason. Because he was wise and intelligent and could conduct fairs with, with people in board meetings, but also, too, tucked away, was a hero. This is a person that's marked. I want you to see this. God's called us to be grace and truth. I want people, when they think about me at the end of my life, that he was a man of grace, that he was a man of mercy. But when it came to the things of the Spirit, that he fought the good fight of faith. How many of y'all want to be that marked man? How many of y'all want to be that marked woman? I know I do. So in this particular text right here in Daniel chapter 6, this is a famous text. It's Daniel and the lion's den. And I want you to go ahead and tuck away everything you learned as a kid. Maybe it was that felt board as a kid or chalkboard where you learned Daniel in the lion's den. And the year is after 539 B.C. And if you remember the text of Daniel chapter 5, it says in verse 30, During the same night, Belshazzar, remember he sees the writing on the wall, the handwriting. Daniel comes in. And he interprets it and tells him that he's about to lose his kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom. He was about the age of 62. Actually, this is a prophecy that was being fulfilled. From 200 years before, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah 45 talks about Cyrus the Great that comes in. So Darius is leader of Cyrus. You can go and read that, but they come in in the night. In fact, I've preached about this before. It's a great strategy that they come through the riverbed of the Euphrates that had been dried up, but there was a, hero, there was a, a soldier that was at the top of the Babylon Empire. It was a great big, and there was tons of wealth on the inside of it, and there was a soldier that was up there, and his helmet fell off the top of it, and he actually reached through the cracks of the foundation to get his helmet, and the Medo-Persians saw that, and they came in through the foundation. I'm telling you, not only that, in your walk with Christ, your foundation has to be on the rock of Jesus. But also, too, as America, if we're not careful, our foundation is also on the Lord. If we forget about our foundation, anybody can come in and take it over. And so what had happened was, is he had, they had lost this. So the year is now 539 B.C., so Babylon has now transitioned into a Medo-Persian empire. Overnight, literally overnight this happens. And so Darius, who was under Cyrus the Great, he's now occupied the place that once belonged to Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. So the kings of Babylon, he's now sleeping in their bed and walking down their halls. And Daniel is still there, faithful and serving the king, and he's now been in this palace for 65 years. Can we give it up for Daniel for being faithful? For being there, nothing kicking him out, all right? So Daniel was always the most faithful to his kings, obviously. But how many of y'all know he was even more faithful to his Lord and Savior? And once again, his faith gets tested again today in this story. But as always, he is prepared. And how many of y'all know you can't wait for the battle? 
you've got to have the battle in you before you get to battle. And so here we are in Daniel chapter 6. It said, it seemed good to Darius, who became king after Belshazzar, verse 1, to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be in charge throughout the kingdom. So this is what the new king is doing. He's taking over the Babylon Empire as the Medo-Persians, and he's setting up a cabinet. And in verse 2, and he said, And over them three chief commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, so that the king would have no loss from disloyalty or mis- mismanagement. Verse 3, Then this Daniel, because of the extraordinary spirit within him, I got the mic extra close there because I wanted you to hear this. How many of y'all know that extraordinary, extraordinary spirit that was in Daniel is the same Holy Spirit that's in you and me? Come on, the Word of God says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, you ought to clap for that. Lives on the inside of me as a believer. And it says, with began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire realm. Then the other two commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a reason to bring a complaint against Daniel concerning the administration of the kingdom. But they could find no reason for an accusation or evidence of corruption because he was faithful. Everybody say faithful. And no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any basis. We're trying to find one, but we can't find one, and here's why. We won't find any basis for an accusation against this Daniel unless we find something against him in connection with the law of his God. Come on, as I begin to study that this week, I hope this resonated in your spirit like it did mine. Because whatever the Lord did, Daniel did. Whatever God said, Daniel said. Wherever he said to go, Daniel went. And how many of y'all know there should not be a distinction between us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? I don't know about you what you read in your Bible, but I read that I am created in the image of Christ. Does my flesh come up from time to time? Yes, but I believe that as I feed the Spirit on the inside of me that it will be bigger than any flesh that I go up against. And this is why Daniel is a marked man. I want to encourage all of you to go see the movie The Blind, especially for your marriage or whatever. It was such a good movie, the story of Phil Robertson. But one thing that stood out to me was a month or two ago, I saw a video of Jace, his middle son. The oldest is Alan and then Jace. But Jace said this when when, when the TVs came to him and said this, we want to start following you guys around. How many of y'all just... I'm sure when they met Uncle Si, they were like, people need to see this guy for sure, all right? That there is some hill, capital H, hillbillies out there that we need to follow. And Jace made this comment. He said, two weeks into them filming us, they said, we noticed that you speak so much word. A holy, uh, sorry, the the, the Bible. You speak, there's so many things in the spirit. We want you to get rid of all of that. And we just want the duck commander. And he said, we don't have the duck commander without the word of God. We are who we are because of the word of God. How many of y'all know that that same spirit ought to to be on us? Like they ought to find fault in God when they find fault in us. So it goes on, it says in verse 6, Then these commissioners and satraps 
agreed to approach the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. This is a lot of word I'm going to read this morning, but you are in church. So, verse 7. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, have consulted and agreed together that the king should establish royal statue and enforce an injunction that anyone who petitions prays to any god or man besides you, O king, during the next 30 days shall be thrown into the den of lions. Now, you know the story here, but I think if you're going to be crazy and turn your back on God and be God, why pick 30 days? You might as well have a big time, go like 300 or something like that. But it says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which ensure that it may not be altered or revoked. So the Babylon Empire, as we saw before under Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, whatever they said under tyranny, it went. But now they're under more of a constitutional rule. If he signs something, even he can't go against it unless he goes through all the right channels. So in verse 9, it says, So King Darius signed the document that is in the injunction. So now when Daniel... Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went into his house. Now, in his roof chamber, his window were open toward Jerusalem. This comes from 1 Kings chapter 8, that when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, he told him, when you pray, you look towards Jerusalem, and I will forgive you of your sins. He continued to get down on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. So, he did not wait... For the people to go crazy, he went to God before it even happened. And he's going to it again as he had been doing previously. He didn't start coming to church when things were bad. He stayed in the house of God. I knew I wouldn't get no amens. I got to get Lawrence Bishop back up here to get y'all the amen again, all right? Then verse 11, then by agreement these men came and found Daniel praying and making requests before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king regarding his injunction. Have you not signed an injunction that anyone who petitions to any god, man except you, O king, within the designated 30 days is to be thrown into the den of lions? The king answered, the statement is true, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be altered or revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, does not pay any attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you have signed, but keeps praying to his God three times a day. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything, but you can have a little bit of a rebellious spirit and not do what they ask you to do. Some of y'all, it's going to hit you. Oh. Then as soon as the king heard the words, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on rescuing Daniel, and he struggled until the sun went down to save him. Then by agreement, these same men came to the king and said, No, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that is in no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be altered and revoked. In verse 16, Then the king gave a command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you constantly serve, rescue you himself. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet ring of his nobles. 
so that nothing would be changed concerning Daniel. How many of y'all know this story is not just good for kids, but it's good for us today? I'm going to say that one more time. How many of y'all know this story is not just good for the children's church, but this story is good for us today? I haven't preached this. Actually, I don't know that I've ever preached it maybe one time in youth, but this is a miracle. God saved him from dying. Would you agree? A terrible death. Now, I haven't made a list of things that would be terrible to die from. But I would put being mauled and ripped apart by lions probably at the top. Would you agree? And I always read commentary. I have several commentary. Dr. Charlie, when he was alive, he gave me tons of uh, commentary, and I read some different ones. But I've read some on the Internet that I found very interesting before we get started. There's some liberal theologians out there that acknowledge that he was okay, but it was not because it was a miracle. They believe he was okay. First of all, here's the first one. I'm going to give you three of what they believe saved Daniel in the lion's den. Number one is this. They believe that the lions weren't hungry. Can you, can you, would you all agree that the devil's an idiot? All right? He's stupid, right? And so are liberal theologians. I mean, those of you that have teenagers, you know how much they eat and how often they are hungry. Have you ever been around an animal? Like if you throw cheese on the ground and it's the middle of winter and there's mice in your house, I'm not hungry for cheese today. I'm just not hungry. Or or horses always want to eat dogs. I mean, your dogs will eat and eat and eat and eat. If you got it out in front of them, they will throw up and eat some more. This is what an animal does. Here's the second thing that they believe. That it wasn't a miracle, but he was okay because he hid in the cave. Now, He had been serving in the king's courts for 65 years, and at this particular time, theologians believe that he was 83 years old. So they throw him into the lion's den, because how many of y'all know there's lions down there? You are not going to be, like, take the steps down, go around this way, and that's where the lions will be. No, you throw him in. He's 83 years old. If you're 83 years old, I've never been 83 years old, but I've seen 83-year-olds. When you hit the ground, you think Daniel was going <laughs> to. Suck it in. You really think that's going to happen? People are stupid. Here's the third one. This is my favorite. This one's real good. You ready for this? They believe that he hid under straw. Let me tell you something. I'm no lion. But if you cook a ribeye steak and you throw it under straw, I don't care how big the room is, Travis Bennett will find it. Come on, somebody. Can we celebrate beef right now? My whole point is this. How many of y'all know we serve the God of the miraculous? How many of y'all know that you need to believe the word as it is that God saved Daniel and he can save you today? Amen? It's the God of the supernatural. How many of you know God rescues us from trials? The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. How many of y'all know he is our deliverer? How many of y'all know he wants your attention and he wants your trust? I had somebody in my office maybe a couple months ago, 
And they said, Pastor, I want to know the formula for healing. My theological mind was exploding. What is the formula? Well, obviously, I thought, well, you got to have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And Hebrews 11.6 says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if you think there is a formula, like you think, how many of y'all, you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's several different ways that Jesus healed the blind. There's several different ways that he brought healing to people. What did he say? He just said, heal the sick. See, if we get stuck up on the formula, on the method of how it happened, we're missing the point. Because at the end of the equation, whether he spit in the mud or he laid hands on them or whatever it is, the equation is, is it has to be connected to the healer, which is Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me this morning? So I'm here to tell you, if you need the formula for he shall supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Jesus, the formula is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Come on. If you need the formula for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, I'll give you the ingredient. His name is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Are you out there? If you need the formula for he sent his word and he healed us and delivered us from all destruction in Psalm 103 and verse 3 that he heals all of our diseases. The ingredient, the main ingredient, and the only ingredient that you need is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Come on, second service. Woo! Are you awake this morning? So I'm just here to tell you the point of this story is, is the Lord is the Savior. There is no formula. But to set up this story, I want to kind of go down a different direction because we're talking about Daniel being a marked man, and God's called us to be a marked people as well. I want to set up the story. There's four different people if you've seen here. The first one we see is the instigators. The second one we see is Daniel. The third one we see is King Darius, and the fourth one is God. Now, if you weren't paying attention as I read it, I'll just give you a recap real quick of what's happening. So Darius takes over. It's a whole new deal. Media, uh, uh, Medo-Persians are over it. Babylon has left. It's no more. And so Darius is at the top. And if you read in the scriptures, verses 1 and 2, that he has set three governors underneath him. Daniel being one, and then 120 underneath him. But there is an extraordinary spirit on Daniel. The spirit of God dwells on the inside of him. He's a man of wisdom. Right? Would you say? I mean, we can read chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, that he is, God has showed up in the midnight hour for Daniel so many times. And so Darius sees this, so he says it's going to go Darius, Daniel, two governors, 120 satraps. Well, these guys, just like what would happen to you, when the favor of God is on you, you may have been in that job only five months, but when God's hand is on you, his favor is on you. Meaning there's doors that will be open for you that won't be open for the world, right? When you're obedient, when you're faithful, when you're trustworthy, when you do what they've asked you to do, when you show up on time. Come on, believers, are you awake out there? Young people, you need to know this. You want to advance? You better do what Forrest Gump did. I'll do whatever you tell me to. And this is what he did. All right, I'll do it. And so he begins to be advanced. But how many of y'all know, I don't need a show of hands of this, but if you've lived life for 30 seconds, you know this. When you get advanced and somebody who's been there five years and you've been there five months, there will be hell to pay. 
There is things that are going to be talked about in the break room. There's things that are going to be talked about out in the parking lot. I'm telling you, they're going to do everything they can to sabotage. They're going to lie to bosses. They're going to lie to management. They're going to, they're going to put rocks in the way of you not going to the top because they are intimidated by you. Right? So this is what happens. They have to make something up because Daniel is a man of integrity. He's done the right thing all of his life. And they know this, as we saw in verse 5, we got to come up with something against his God, and we can't find nothing there. So we literally got to make something up. So they go to the king and said, nobody can pray to anybody. And they knew, they knew, they knew. Daniel was a living example as a marked man that people knew that he was a man of God and that he prayed three times a day. That's the only way they could do it. And so they... They went to the king and said, you're the only king. You're the, you're the only one that can be prayed to for 30 days. He doesn't see what's going on. But even though Daniel knew what was happening, he still did what God called him to do. He went where God called him to go. He was the man God created him to be. And he stayed in that place. So here's the instigators who began to stir some things up. Write this down if you're taking down notes. The mark of the world or the mark of the flesh is jealousy. But the mark of the spirit is integrity. The mark of the world or the flesh is jealousy, but the mark of the spirit is integrity. Jealousy is destructive by nature. Would you all agree? Jealousy and its twin envy. What's the difference, Pastor? Here it is. Jealousy is resenting what someone else has, and envy is wanting what someone else has. Would we all agree that jealousy is a terrible thing? Jealousy has ruined ministries. Jealousy has divided families. Jealousy has destroyed marriages. Jealousy has created businesses to fold up. If you watch cops or any kind of crime shows, murders happen 99.5% of the time because of jealousy. It's the oldest trick in the book. And, and jealousy doesn't affect just the one who has it, but it also affects the one who gets the butt end of it as well. I was talking to Lawrence uh, last week after lunch, and he was telling me, because we watched that video, Giants Are Falling. And uh, I don't know if you noticed the drummer in the back, but 10, 15 years ago when, when Lawrence Bishop first came, and we had him play in, in the youth ministry. And um, I'm still deaf to this day, but it was awesome. It was loud, and it was a big time. But he has this drummer named Aaron Muma, and I'm telling you, he is so fun to watch and listen to. In fact, just look up Lawrence Bishop and the Livestock Band, and he plays on most of his stuff. But he twirls sticks and takes them behind his back and does all kinds of crazy stuff. I'd love to watch him, you know, play a tuba and spin it or whatever. It'd be cool. But anyways, I looked over at him, and I said, is that Aaron Muma in your church? He always played in his band, but he didn't play in the church. He said, yeah, he moved closer. And he started coming to our church, and so I started having him play. I said, go, and he said, I got a crazy story about that. So after we, we go to lunch, and he tells me about how there was a guy in their church that had been playing for 25 years, and he is a studio drummer. Well, so is Aaron. And Aaron said, I just want to play. Give me one time a month. In fact, Aaron said this, I don't even have to play. Well, he played this one particular time, and then that studio drummer that had been there for 25 years, quiet, he said, very kind, very humble person. He, he, uh, uh, he played the next Sunday. Well, the next one, Aaron was going to play again. And he came into the drum set, 
And the drum set had three rolls of duct tape. He covered the toms. He covered the floor tom, the bass kick, the cymbals, covered the drums in duct tape. Now, I'm no drummer, but I'm sure that's a no-no, right? So he calls the son of the guy. He couldn't get a hold of the guy who'd been playing the church for 25 years, so he calls his son. He said, well, look at the, what happened to the drums. They've been vandalized. He said, well, why don't you look at the camera? And they looked at the camera, and it was the guy who had been playing drums for 25 years. Grown man, 55 years old. If anybody plays these drums, it's me. You know what? Some of y'all are like, I can't believe he would do that. I can. I've, I've lived long enough. I've been in ministry long enough. I've been singing longer than anybody else. I've been playing longer than anybody else. What makes you think you can come in here and take my job? It's terrible. I know I wouldn't get no amens for that, but praise the Lord. I'm speaking the truth right now. 17 things that make people jealous. I had 10, but I went ahead and gave you 17. Y'all ready for this? Number one. When you're successful without even trying. You know there's people out there that are just gifted. That makes people jealous. Here's another one. When you're not afraid of failure, that makes people jealous. When you're resilient and you bounce back, that makes people jealous. When you're humble and kind, that makes people jealous. When you're good looking, I speak from experience right here. That's why I wrote it down. Sorry, honey. When you're good looking, when you're good at what you do, people get jealous. I'm telling you, I see it all the time. I, in horseshoers. Is Bo here? Bo's not here. Is Kiki here? Is it not true? Here's a perfect example of a young man I think the world of. I'm not trying to, y'all don't look at him. Y'all look at me. This is my message. But I'm talking, I'm talking it, but. Of a young man, I've been so impressed with him. I'm not going to look at him either because his head's going to explode. But he's a young man. He's so good at what he does. But can I tell you, if I'm not careful, I will think I'm a 40-year-old man. He's, tw- I don't, he's in his 20s. But I can get jealous, call everybody else and say, oh, he's nothing but a counterfeit. And it's none of that because he really is good at what he does. I hate it. And I hear it from people all the time. But when you're in a trade, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're good at what you do, here's another one. Your friends care about your well-being. Here's, here's the thing. When people are jealous, this is what they'll do. They'll want to be your closest friend. And so when you have close friends, they will actually talk to your close friends bad about you so they can slip in and be your friend. This is so much truth right now, I'm just going to say. Is this not true? When you don't need anyone's approval, people get jealous. When you're spiritually aware, people get jealous. When you can make decisions on your own, people get jealous. When you're not afraid of being different from everyone else and you're confident, people get jealous. When you don't take everything so serious, people get jealous. I can speak serious from that. When you're not afraid to start something new, people get jealous. When you don't let others control you, People get jealous. Here's a big one. 
when you're happy, happy, happy. When you're happy, people get jealous. You know what I say? Let them get jealous because I'm going to say happy. Amen? Look at what the Bible says, Romans 13 and verse 13. It says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies. If you don't know what that means, ask your neighbor. There's kids in here. Don't ask at all. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Notice the same box he puts jealousy in. Pastor, an orgy is a big sin. Well, so is jealousy. But look at verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the opposite of jealousy? It's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Why don't we celebrate people that are successful? Why don't we celebrate people that are good looking? Why don't we celebrate those? Come on, are you with me this morning? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So how do we combat jealousy? So the first one, the instigators represents jealousy. Daniel represents integrity. How do we combat jealousy? Integrity. What did Daniel do? What he always did. Lived a holy lifestyle. You can talk all you want to, but I'm ignoring you. And I'm going to my heavenly father, Jesus Christ. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to be in God's house. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face. Integrity, what is it? It's doing the right thing when no one else is looking. I heard something Joyce Meyer said last uh, or two weeks ago when we were at that conference at Gateway. She said this, and it stuck with me. Integ or it's not integrity, but she said this. Even when you don't want to do something, do it because it's the right thing to do. How many of y'all know we need to come back to a place where we do it just because it's the right thing to do? Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4, this is a marked man. It says in Daniel 6, 4, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. This is a New Living Testament. It says, But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. You want to know what the mark of the Spirit is and the mark of God that was on Daniel? It's because he was faithful. Come on. We need people today that are faithful, that it's going to stand no matter what. You can come against me all you want to, but if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? Come on. Faithful. Think of all the kings and all the visions and all the times his life was on the line. All the kings he went through. He could have said this. I thought about this. He could have said, God, I'm 83 years old. All these guys are saying stuff against me. This is my 83-year-old voice. Just give me 30 days off. That's all I'm asking, 30 days. Give me 30 days off so I can smite the instigators, so I can shut them up, so I can post it on Facebook. I want to give it to him. You know what I'm saying, Lord? I mean, have you ever felt that way before? Lord, just give me five minutes. I promise to serve you all the days of my life, but give me five minutes in a room with this a-hole. You know what I'm talking about? Let me, just five minutes, 
in the room with this guy, but you know he didn't do that. The reason I say that, because I've felt that before, and sometimes it just comes out in the pulpit. Just give me five minutes right now with this guy, all right? (laughs) But the mark of the Spirit is being faithful. Being marked is no days off. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, People with integrity walk safely, but those who walk crooked, follow crooked paths will be exposed. Can I tell you, whatever's done in the dark, and you might be dealing with a jealous spirit right now, but the mark of the spirit on you is to say this, whatever's done in the dark will be brought in the light. And I'm not the one to bring that out, but God is sovereign and he will bring it forth because his word said so. Can I get an amen this morning? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3, the integrity, English Standard Version, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says, the righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Dads, when you walk in integrity now, that means you're setting up your kids to walk in integrity down all the days of their life. So, Pastor, how do you do this? See, if I was to go on in the story, I would talk about King Darius. And what I love about him is his loyalty, that he gave him his word and he stuck by it even when he didn't want to. You know what we need in the house of God today is people that stand by the word. Even when it looks treacherous, you got to give it to the hands of God. And look, I look at the stories, a fourth person here, the instigators, which means jealousy, Daniel, which represents integrity, King Darius is loyalty, but God represents sovereignty. At the end of the day, God made a way when there seems to be no way, right? So how did he do this? The first thing, God's way was his way. God's way was his way. What did we read in verse 5? We will not find any basis for an accusation against this Daniel unless we find something against him in connection with the law of his God. As I brought up about Duck Dynasty, that's how we've got to live our life. So number one, God's way has got to be our way. Number two is this. Ask God for help and he'll help you. You might feel like you're all alone. Everybody else believes this against me and I'm all by myself. You're not alone. If God be for you, then who in the world can be against you? Amen? So ask God for help. In verse 10, what did he do? He went to his knees. You may be experiencing something right now in your life that you need a word from God. Yeah, nothing else will do. If those of you that parent teenagers, you get what I'm saying. Thank God for the wisdom of other parents, but if you're not careful, you put the same personality of the wisdom another parent gave you into your kid, it might not work. That's why you got to hear from the Spirit of God to speak into your situation. And that's why I thank God for being in His presence. That's why I thank God for being in His house uh, that's why I thank God for reading his word. Maybe it's a friend. I, was, I said in the first service, I brought this up, of how there's something we've been praying as pastors and elders, a situation in this house. And I was like, Lord, give me a word to stand on. And it came through Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway. Oh, my gosh, it was such a great word. But he put it, it was like he knew the situation of us, and he broke it down to the nuts and bolts in Scripture for us. Aren't you thankful for times when you get in the house of God? And here's the deal, it's got to bring peace. But number one, God's way, is his, God's way was his way. 
as a marked man. Number two, ask God. Ask for God's help, and he'll give it to you. The third thing is this. This is how he walked in integrity, and I'm coming to a close. You've got, he trusted God. You've got to trust God. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.